Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. There is a lot that I want to talk about today, but I should probably start with what's happening in our lobby right now. Um, Yes, those are real tattoo artists. Yes, those are real people getting real tattoos. No, it is not the collective logo. We would not let them get that. That's weird and makes this feel like a cult, okay? This is not a cult. But let me explain how we got to where we are right now. Last fall, we did a sermon series called Your Story Matters. Because one of the things that I've learned while leading a collective is that there are incredible stories of God moving in the lives of people in this church. And we realized that these stories needed to be told. These are stories of redemption, stories of restoration, stories of incredible faith, of impact, of failure, followed by grace and healing. And whether you believe it or not, we know that you have a story to tell. And the truth is, your story can change the world. But that only happens if you let Jesus get a hold of it. And at the completion of this sermon series last fall, one of the things we announced was that we were starting a podcast with the same name so that people from this church could share their stories. And if you've been listening over the past 51 weeks, you've learned that these stories are messy, um, but they are real, and they are very beautiful at the same time. These stories have been about the highs and lows of life. They've been about the resurrection of dead things in their souls. These stories have been about hope and joy and grace in the moments where they need it the most. These stories have ultimately been about what God has done and is doing in the lives of people in this church. And so really quickly, if you shared on the podcast, you didn't know I was doing this today, but if you shared on the podcast, will you stand up right now? Hey, can we give it up for these people? A lot of you have been listening to this podcast, and you know these people are in this church, but these are just a few um, who've made the decision over the past year to choose vulnerability, um, to talk about faith, the good and the bad of that, um, for creating space for other people in this church to be comfortable being real about their brokenness and what God is doing in their lives. And so when we set out to do this podcast, one of the things that we didn't really know was how far it would go. We didn't know how many people would sign up. We didn't know how many people would share. We also didn't plan for how to end the podcast. Like, would this go on forever? Would we just kind of get through our list and call it a day? But a few weeks into recording, we realized that the best way to close out this podcast was to take all the Bible verses that were shared while recording and put them together for our church. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know the last question I ask every single recording is, what is your favorite Bible verse? What is that verse, or maybe those verses that just sit in your soul, the verses that changed your life, the verses that feel like they were written just for you, the verses that have marked you? And so that is what the Mark series is all about. Now, what does that have to do with tattoos in the lobby? The people that you see getting tattooed today are the people who shared on the podcast, and they are getting tattoos based on their favorite verses. Uh, This includes my mom, who I think is getting tattooed right now. So you start hearing screaming, that's why. (laughs) Uh, She's getting her first tattoo ever in the lobby of her church. (laughs) Man, you can clap for her. She's crazy. Uh, She was the first person to share, if you guys remember back to last fall. And I would encourage you, if you're not listening to the podcast, go back and listen to her story. Also, before you ask, I know that some of you came in, saw two random tattoo artists in the lobby, and thought, I'm going to do that. 
We don't have any slots open. I'm so sorry. Also, that's very irrational of you to walk into church <laughs> and decide to get a, get a tattoo. And, and here's the thing. I know that some of you, um, you feel a little bit of discomfort when it comes to Jesus and tattoos. Uh, some of you even grew up in churches where you were told that it was wrong or maybe even sinful to have tattoos. And so I'm going to talk about this for one second. I'm going to talk about it in this service. I'm not going to talk about it the rest of the weeks of this series. Um, tattoos are something that we call a non-essential in the church meaning they have no impact when it comes to our salvation, our faith, on who God is, the important things. Um, tattoos should be one of those things where if you have discomfort with them in the church or you don't like Christians or pastors who have tattoos, this might not be your church, by the way. If you don't like pastors with tattoos, I don't know why you're still here. I just keep getting more. So, um, but, but these are one of those things that we can disagree about and we can still be in the church together. We can still worship together. We can still serve together. We can still be in community together. The problem, though, is that for a really long time, some Christians and even some pastors would say that getting a tattoo is a sin. About 10 years ago, I was performing a wedding for a friend of mine, and I probably just had like three or four tattoos at the time, and we were going through the rehearsal, and I was walking everyone through what would happen the next day, and one of the bridesmaids said, is this the real pastor? She's like pointing around me. Is this the real pastor? He has tattoos. Like, he can't be a real pastor. Now, instead of responding to her in the moment, I ignored her. I kept going through the rehearsal. Uh, but during dinner, because I am an overly confrontational person, I felt the need to start a conversation. And so I asked her, why do you think I can't be a pastor or specifically a good pastor because I have tattoos? And she kind of halfway quoted a verse in the Old Testament which says this, Leviticus 19.28, says, do not cut your bodies for the dead and do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. Now, this verse is the verse that Christians use and have been misusing for years to tell people with tattoos that they can't love Jesus. And so let me break down the context and the culture of what's going on right here. So that word tattoo in the Hebrew, it would be better translated as engraving, right? And so what's happening is during this time, uh, God's giving this rule to his people, and they're living in this land in between Egypt and Canaan. They're kind of like in the middle of trying to figure out how God is leading them to the place where they're supposed to be, and they're kind of caught in between all these cultures. Recent archaeology indicates that in Egypt, they actually did tattoos with ink, but it was limited to women. And so in their culture, the women were the ones that were completely tatted up. But in Canaan, instead of marking their bodies with ink, they would actually go to extreme scarification measures, and they would brand themselves, or they would slash themselves, or they'd gash their skin. And archaeology backed by the Bible indicates that the Canaanites would customarily slash their bodies for ritual purposes especially to mourn the dead and to honor false gods. And so when God gives this directive to his people, God was forbidding them from physically disfiguring their bodies as a sign of worship to other gods. Right? People believed in Canaan that you would mark yourself and that's how you got into heaven. You would scar yourself and that these false gods would take you up to be with them. And so in other words, as simply as I can put it, getting a tattoo is not a sin. But let's be real, some tattoos aren't a good decision. That's a conversation for another time, okay? Some of you have tattoos, you're like, not proud of this. Let me say one more thing, though, jumping back to the Your Story Matters podcast. Uh, we've actually decided, um, after going through a year and wrestling with whether or not we're going to keep it going, um, we're going to keep the podcast going because we believe that there are more stories that need to be shared. And so I'm really excited to tell you all that we're going to do a season two. Um, it'll start in January 2024. We can clap for that. I, I know a lot of you, this podcast has helped you move closer to Jesus and has brought you closer in your faith, and we just don't want it to stop. 
And so we're really excited about this. Um, so this means two things. If you're not caught up on the podcast, you haven't started it yet, you have time. We have a few more episodes left this season, and so I would encourage you in November and December, catch up. Um, episodes are about 45 minutes to an hour, but they're absolutely worth your time. This also means that if you have not shared your story or you've been wrestling with sharing your story, you didn't sign up last fall, or maybe you're new to Collective, you have a chance to do so. And so here's how you sign up for that. Open up your Church Center app, scroll down, and you'll see the Your Story Matters button. Click on that, and then there's a button that says Season 2, Sign Up. It's that simple. And let me just say this. Uh, if you are someone who is new to Collective, you've been coming just for a few weeks or maybe even a few months, and you haven't picked up this podcast yet, you should. If you want to know what God can do in the lives of ordinary, messy, broken people, if you want to know what God is doing in this church, the podcast really is the best example of that. And the thing is, one thing that we know, and we're just going to keep saying until Collective no longer exists, is that you have a story to share. You do. And God can take your terrible, messy, broken story to bring redemption to your life and redemption to others. God can use your story to bring people closer to him. And I can say this confidently because that's exactly what we've seen over the past 51 weeks. And so I just want to encourage you and challenge you to wrestle with the idea of sharing your story and sign up for season two and watch what God can do. Now let's talk about Marked. So to create this sermon series, what I did was I took all the verses that were shared on the Your Story Matters podcast, and I broke them up into five categories. And put them all together, there was essentially five themes that came up over and over and over again. And so in this series, I'm going to teach these verses and these themes. And there's one major application for the next five weeks. There's one action, one habit that we are going to hit on every single Sunday. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. It's really simple. We need to be reading the Bible. As the whole goal of this series is to encourage you and challenge you and to get you to read your Bible. And so I'm going to challenge you to do that every week. Because when you read your Bible, there will be verses that you can't stop thinking about. There'll be verses that God gives you that you hold on to in the storms of life, verses that pick you up, that keep you going, that give you hope, that give you wisdom, that give you peace. These will be verses that mark you. When you read the Bible, there are going to be times when you're reading and it just hits you right in your soul. And you are going to feel like that verse or those verses were written just for you, just for what you're going through, just for what you needed in that moment. And here's what's amazing about scripture. That's true. Right? Those things were written for us. Jeremiah 1.5 says, From God, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before we were ever a thought, God knew us. God knew who we would be. He knew what we would go through. So it's not out of reach to think that God had you in mind when putting together this incredible book. And so the goal of this series is that each person here takes a step forward in their Bible reading. If you're not reading your Bible, the challenge is to start reading it. If you're reading it, but it's a little bit irregular, the challenge is to start reading it daily. If you're reading your Bible daily, the, encourage, or the challenge is to read it a little bit more. Let's talk about the Bible for a second. The Bible is not just a single book, but a collection of 66 different books. It was written in three languages across three continents over a 1,500-year period. And it was put together by 40 different authors, including shepherds, farmers, doctors, fishermen, priests, philosophers, and kings. And so the Bible is actually a collection of poems and prophecies and letters and laws and histories and biographies written by people, inspired by God, telling one unified story. And if I could sum up the Bible in one sentence, it would be this. The Bible shows us our need for Jesus and teaches us to become more like him. 
The Bible is described as a sword that pierces in Hebrews 4.12. It's described as a light that shines the way in Psalm 119.105. It's a mirror that reveals in James 1.23. It's a path to purity in Psalm 119. It's a meal that nourishes in 1 Peter 2.3. It's a fire that consumes in Jeremiah 23.29. It's a defense against temptation, Psalm 119.11. It's the source of our faith, Romans 10.17. And it's the truth that lives forever, Isaiah 48. The Bible can speak to you. It can guide you. It can protect you. It can empower you. It can keep you from temptation. It can renew your mind. It can build your faith. It can show you the truth and set you free. Scripture teaches us how to handle difficult situations. It teaches us about grace so when we screw up, we don't have to live in that shame. This book is the instruction manual for life. In 2022... Kair Elam was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Any Buffalo Bills fans out there? Okay, there we go. We'll take it. We'll take one. Hey, this story is for you. Uh, Ranked as one of the best cornerbacks in the draft, the Bills actually traded a few picks to the Baltimore Ravens to move up and draft him. And nobody cares about that. One Ravens fan. And because Elam was projected as a first-round pick, ESPN had a camera crew at his house during the draft. And so when the Bills were on the clock in the first round, they cut to Elam as he was talking to the general manager of the Bills. And you just see that Kair is is filled with emotion. He puts his head down. You know, he says, thank you. He's like, you're not going to regret this. But then the camera stays on him, and he picks his head up, and he says right to the camera. Again, he's on the phone, but he's saying, he goes, put the playbook on the plane. And he goes, put the playbook on the plane. And the camera cuts back to the Buffalo Bills coaches. They're celebrating the pick. But then you keep hearing Kair on the phone going, put the playbook on the plane, put the playbook on the plane. For those of you who don't know much about football, each team has an offensive and defensive playbook that is unique for their team. And what Kair wanted was to make sure that when they sent the private jet to pick him up, to bring him up to Buffalo, that the defensive playbook was with them so he could get to work, so he could start learning the plays. And of course, this moment went viral. And so they eventually interviewed Kair and they asked him, why did you keep saying, put the playbook on the plane? He said, the sooner I could get my hands on the playbook, the better I would become. That is what scripture is. That is what the Bible is. It's the playbook. In 2021, Baylor University did a study on trauma and the impact of Bible reading. And they found that combining education about mental health best practices with Bible reading reduced symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and increased forgiveness, compassion, and a sense of purpose. The study showed that people who read their Bible regularly show a drop of feelings in depression, anxiety, and anger. They also showed a drop in complicated grief, which includes denial of traumatic events and avoiding uh, activities associated with trauma. People who read their Bible had a drop in depression. They had fewer suicidal thoughts, and they saw an increase in feelings of forgiveness, compassion, and reported increased rates of resiliency. Here's another study. This is from Harvard. Harvard did a study during the pandemic, and they found that Bible reading had a strong correlation between reading your Bible and hope. People who read their Bible regularly rated themselves as 33 points more hopeful than irregular scripture readers. They also found that hope grew the more you read the Bible every single day. Here's a study that just came out just a few months ago. 92% of people who read their Bible just four times a year have said that the message of the Bible has transformed their lives. Four times a year. That's a really low bar, but it's four times 
And here are my favorite stats about the Bible. I share these all the time at Collective. These stats are true for people who follow Jesus and people who don't. Reading the Bible four or more times per week decreases your odds of drinking in excess by 62%, viewing pornography by 59%, having sex outside of marriage by 59%, lashing out in anger by 31%, gossiping by 28%, neglecting family by 26%, overeating by 20%, and mishandling money by 20%. You want to be a better parent? You want to be a better spouse? You want to break your addiction? You want to keep anger from coming out sideways? You want to have more discipline? Read your Bible. Reading the Bible four or more times per week decreases your odds of feeling bitter by 40%, self-destructive thinking by 32%, feeling the need to hide what you do or how you feel by 32%, having difficulty forgiving others by 31%, feeling discouraged by 31%, experiencing loneliness by 30%, experiencing fear or anxiety by 14%. If you are feeling lonely, if you are feeling discouraged, if you don't like yourself right now, if you're holding on to unforgiveness and that has put a root of bitterness in your heart, if you're battling those relentless thoughts in your mind, read your Bible. Reading your Bible four or more times per week gives you significantly higher odds of giving financially to a church by 416%. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm no comment on that one. Discipling others by 231% and sharing your faith with others by 228%. Reading your Bible four more times per week gives you significantly lower odds of feeling spiritually stagnant by 60% and feeling like you can't please God by 44%. If you want to feel closer to God, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to have better spiritual disciplines, if you want to be generous, if you want to help other people experience the grace and endless second chance that Jesus offers, read the Bible. Right? We've got to be reading the Bible because when we do, we will see the impact in our lives. You will see the impact on your trauma, your mental health, your hope, your self-worth, your relationships, just by reading a few verses, a few chapters, a few minutes a day. Now, every time I give this challenge on a Sunday morning, which we do regularly, people will come up to me in the lobby and say, I want to start reading my Bible, but I don't know where to start. Right? And, and I get that. Just picking up the Bible and reading can feel very intimidating. So here's what else we did for this series. We put together a Bible reading plan based on all the verses that were shared on the podcast. That Bible reading plan is also on the Church Center app under Your Story Matters. You just click on that and you click on the marked Bible reading plan. We'll also share the week ahead on Monday mornings on our social media. And so every day for the next five weeks, I encourage you and I challenge you to read through this plan. If you miss a day, just catch up. Okay, don't fall into that place where if you fall off track that you can't, then just read and get back to where you need to be. If you know you're going to have a really busy day the next day and you're not sure you're going to read, just read two days, okay? This is about starting the discipline of reading your Bible. And remember, as you read these verses, these were not randomly picked by me. Right? These weren't put together by some other organization. We didn't copy and paste. These are the verses that people in this church call their favorites, right? These are the verses that carried people in this church through some of the hardest moments of their lives. These are the verses that the people who shared on this podcast said, these impacted my life in huge ways, and I would love to share these with other people. And so we challenge you to read your Bible. When you check uh, out the Mark's plan on the app, one of the things you'll see at the top is something called the SOAP method. Um, in my opinion, this is the best way for you to read your Bible. Right? SOAP stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And so what do you do? You start by reading the verses. Right? You start by reading scripture, and then what you do is you observe them. 
You ask, what's going on in this story? What does this story tell me about God? What are the promises or the commands or characteristics of God that I've just read? You ask yourself, who are the people in this story? How are they responding to what's happening? How does this make me feel? What does this make me think about? And I would encourage if you want to take your spiritual discipline of reading the Bible a step further, don't just think about these things, write them down. You know, find somebody else to do this plan with you and have a conversation with them every single day of these are the things that this made me wrestle with. Then once you observe it, you apply it to your life. You ask yourself, in light of what I just read, how does this impact me? What does this passage tell me about myself? Do I relate to the sin? Do I relate to the joy? Do I relate to the people? And what can I start doing? What can I stop? What do I need to change? What do I need to grow? What do I need to do? How can I apply this to my life? And then the last thing you do is you just take a few moments to pray. And it sounds basic, but this is the best way to read your Bible. You're not just reading it, but you're applying it. You're not just applying it, you're also asking God to help you apply it in the future. Right? And so that's what you can read, and that's how you read it, but here's the why. And again, don't lose sight of the fact that what I'm sharing comes from people in this church. This is what all the verses for today have in common. So again, write this down. The reason why we read the Bible is because Scripture teaches us a better way to live. Right? Scripture teaches us a better way to live. This is how Paul talks about it in his second letter to Timothy. He wrote this in 2 Timothy 3.16. He said, all Scripture is inspired by God. Now, this is really important because what Paul is saying is that although Scripture was put on paper by imperfect people, it was wholly and completely inspired by God, that God worked through the writers, that they are God's word written down by God's people. Right? All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. In a world full of half-truth and untruth and misguided truth and ultimately just straight-up lies, the Bible is what teach us, teaches us what is true, what is true about God and what is true about ourselves. Remember what we talked about in last series. It's God's truth that sets us free. And Paul continues. He says, it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So scripture points out where we're falling short. There are going to be times when you are reading the Bible and it makes you uncomfortable. When God's words push up against your feelings and your desires, they push up against popular opinion and our culture. And it's gonna push against you in a way, in the ways that you are thinking and the ways that you are living. And that is a good thing. We need that in our lives. And so the challenge isn't just to pick verses that make you feel good, but to lean in when there are verses that make you uncomfortable. And then verse 17 says this, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Right? Scripture prepares and equips us. It prepares and equips us for the trials that we are going to face. It prepares and equips us to do good work. It prepares and equips us for life. Right? Scripture teaches us a better way to live. And when you're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, you can open up your Bible and you can read verses like this. Matthew 16 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. If we want to follow Jesus, we give up our lives and we follow him. We put our faith in him. We let him lead and we trust him. We stop living our way and we start living Jesus's way. It's not about us. It's about Jesus, which is a better way to live. 
When you're struggling with worry, like we talked about in the last series, you can open up your Bible in Matthew 6 and read this. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink? What will we wear? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus, through scripture, reminds us that if we seek God above everything, above our worry, above our doubts, above our fears, if we trust him, if we follow his teaching, then God will give us everything we need. It's not everything we want, but it's everything we need. Maybe you struggle with knowing what God requires of you. Maybe you grew up in the church and you're told a bunch of things that you had to do, but you aren't sure they really mattered, or maybe you're new to faith. You're just trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, and you'll read in Micah 6, 8, Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do what is right and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Maybe you aren't sure what to do with your life, and you read this in Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So for those of you who are struggling, what am I doing with my life? What do I need to do next? Trust God. Trust God with your whole heart. Seek his will, and he will guide you. Maybe you want to know how to love people well. Romans 12 says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. To honor means to treat others as if they are uncommon. You want to know what to do when things aren't going your way. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. When you are struggling, you hold on to the hope that God is with you. You choose patience and you pray. You want to know how to treat your enemies, the people that have hurt you, the people that are hurting you now. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Some of you have people in your life that have tried to hurt you and your response is nothing or to try to hurt them back. But scripture says that you pray for them. You want to know how to walk alongside the people that you love through the highs and lows of life. Romans 12, 15 says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. You want to know how to deal with people you work with that you don't get along with or the family, especially as holidays come up where there's some tension or the people that you go to church with who you disagree with because they got tattoos in the lobby. Romans 12, 16 through 18 says this, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Scripture teaches us a better way to live. It's the playbook. So we have to read the Bible. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't follow Jesus, so this isn't for me. But I would push back and say, this might be more for you than anybody. If you do not follow Jesus, I think you need to be reading your Bible through this plan just to make sure Right? And if someone asks you why you're reading your Bible, just say that you're looking for an out. You need to be doing the work. And think about it like this. You would never buy a car without first taking it for a test drive. So why would you reject Jesus without first putting him to the test? And so whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, read the Bible every single day for the next five weeks. And the worst that can happen is that you tried. I don't think it will let you down. I think you'll see a change in your life. But the worst that could happen is nothing. 
In April of this year, the London Marathon held its 43rd race, and this featured some of the best runners in the world, including Olympians and world record holders. But as soon as the race started, an unknown man charged to the front of the pack at an unsustainable pace and managed to hold the lead for 10 seconds before the professional runners quickly overtook him. You see it? There's a video. If you look at it online, he's like, his arms are up, like he just won the marathon. The thing is, I think we have a tendency to approach life like this guy. We treat it like a sprint. We sprint out in mile one, forgetting that there's 25.2 miles to go. And we do this by looking for quick fixes. We do this by looking for something that's easier than putting in the work. And like, this is cool for a marathon because then he gets to go home and tell all of his friends that he led the marathon for 10 seconds. But life doesn't work this way. Life is a marathon. Faith is a marathon. Marriage is a marathon. Healing is a marathon. And reading the Bible one time is a sprint to the front for just 10 seconds. And so when I say read the Bible, I'm talking every day, every day. And if you commit to doing that, your life will be changed forever. Not just 10 seconds, but forever. And so wherever you are in your faith, whether you're a hardcore atheist or a hardcore follower of Jesus and whatever you're dealing with, whether life is going great or you feel like you're in the middle of a storm, I challenge you to read your Bible every day for the next 35 days. I read the verses that people in this church wanted to share with you and watch what happens in your life. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful uh, that you give us the Bible, that you gave us scripture, God, that you knew us uh, before we were ever a thought, and, and you put this um, beautiful gift together um, to prepare and equip us for life. God, one of the hard things, though, is that um, we're busy. God, we struggle to find time. Um, to be honest, God, we don't often prioritize reading scripture, and we feel the impact in our lives, whether we know that to be true or not. And so, God, as we go throughout this series, I just pray that every single person here just takes one small step forward when it comes to reading the Bible. God, that they read your word, that they let it sink in, that they allow the verses that you thought of us when you put this whole thing together to mark who we are, to change who we are, um, to impact who we are. God, we're so thankful that we don't have to figure this out on our own. Um, God, that we don't have to write our own playbook. Um, God, that we don't have to figure out what truth is, that you give this gift to us. And so, God, help us use it. Help us read it and understand it and allow this to transform who we are. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.